0: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Joining us on the Dusky Sports Bar and Grill hotline, Dusky Sports Bar and Grill, Bridge Street in Phoenix. As our friend Sal Capaccio did earlier as well, is uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Mike McAllister back on the block here. Michael, how you doing, bud?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm great. How are we, how are we feeling about our Bills-Eagles Super Bowl prediction as uh, the NFL uh, playoffs get underway
1: here? I'm a little more confident in the Bills than the Eagles at the moment, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would ter- certainly take it in a heartbeat, but like, like I just said, Eagles haven't been playing good football. They barely beat a giant team that played all their backups. Uh, at least they got a week off. But yeah, it's it's uh, that's huge.
0: That's huge, it, it especially is. in Jalen Hurts' territory. With uh, we're we're still kind of trying to figure out if he's if he's good and good to go. This week might have been a little tough to add to the mix.
1: Yeah, I mean. Him, and and they obviously miss Lane Johnson, who's the best tackle in football. And, you know, they're missing a couple defense players as well. Josh Sweat, who's had a really good season. uh, One of their many pass-rushing defensive linemen. But Avante Maddox is critical, too. He plays a little safety, a little nickel. So hopefully, you know, get those guys back and go into the playoffs as close to full strength as he can. And I'd I'd still rather be at home than on the road. So that's a good thing.
0: Mike, we'll start with... um... Let's start with football. Let's start with everything happening there. Transfer portal is swinging both ways here. Damian Alford, the latest entry there. Deuce Chestnut, uh, Jahard uh, Carter before that, right? So you lose some, you gain some. Syracuse has brought in some transfers from from Notre Dame, from Nebraska, from Alabama, right? So this is just the new reality, right? How do you feel Syracuse is, is navigating the portal in both instances there, what they're losing and what they're gaining back?
1: It's definitely the new normal, as, as you said, and programs like Syracuse that are not blue-blood programs are going to have to deal with the fact that blue-blood programs are going to try to poach their better players. And when you're a, a program like Syracuse and you rely on player development as opposed to recruiting the elite four- and five-star type of players, then when you do find those under-the-radar guys that I think actually the staff, especially in the secondary, has done a really good job at finding – and you develop those players to become really good for you then you you are going to be at risk of losing those players to the portal. Jihad Carter I think is a prime example of that. You know, if the portal was in full force, you know, several years ago, does um, you know, Andre Cisco leave early. Does he, does he leave Syracuse? Does Tro Williams leave Syracuse? Does Ify Mellifonwu leave Syracuse? You know, those are three guys that, that they did the same thing developed in the secondary. So there's, there's a lot of questions there. Eric Dungy, does he stick around for four years or does he leave? But if you're Syracuse, I think your response is to get guys in the portal who have multiple years of eligibility left because then you can bring them. You can still develop those guys, and oftentimes are were more highly regarded recruits than the guys that you lost. And you can try to tap into that talent, hope that it fits your system, and then because as it currently stands, players can only transfer once without losing a year of eligibility. Then you know those guys are at much less risk of leaving, other than if they were a grad transfer. So I, I think navigating it that way is, is a smart approach. I think as far as what they've lost. And what they've gained this offseason, I think they've done a pretty good job. But I think the biggest glaring thing is losing Courtney Jackson and Damian Alford with a wide receiver group that outside of Rondé Gadsden was very up and down in terms of its production. But now you lose guys that have been in your system for multiple years, were productive at different points in their career, started for you. So now you've got to either rely on young players or players without a lot of experience that are currently in your program or try to find someone in the portal that you think can come in and make a difference. That, I think, is, is going to be the, the biggest issue for Syracuse navigating this off season.
0: So the second window is about to close. Yeah. We go back to signing day, which you and I talked about right before the Christmas break. and. Look, the Lenora Sellers thing, you know, it hurt, but you got to move on from it. Maybe a transfer is the answer there. Syracuse is going to get a visit from uh, Ty Keys. uh, correct me if I'm wrong there in in pronouncing his name, Southern Mississippi quarterback, who's going to give Syracuse a visit. But there's another signing day coming up here, Mike, about a month from now, less than a month from now. What's been the adjustment? What are you hearing about what they're keying in on for uh, the second signing day, if you will, coming up?
1: I think it's primarily portal guys that, that they're really targeting. It's, and there hasn't been the level of activity. I almost expected you'd be hearing stuff about, you know, six, seven, eight guys coming to visit and, and those types of things. And really, other than Ty Keys, you haven't heard a ton. But to your point, I do think that Ty Keys is the guy that they're looking at as the replacement to Lenora Sellers. He's, he's someone who's going to have at least three years of eligibility left, potentially for if the NCAA grants him a medical waiver. Uh, so, you know, you get someone with multiple years of eligibility left. He was a very highly regarded recruit, was in the ESPN 300 as a four-star prospect, had a bunch of really good offers, Oregon uh, among some of, one of his better ones, signed with Southern Miss, and now is back in the portal So, you know, I think Syracuse bringing in a guy who has a lot of upside and and would be working with Jason Beck. We know his history of developing quarterbacks. Given the fact that you had someone committed for nine months, I think that's about as good as you could realistically expect and I think would be a pretty good bounce back if Syracuse is able to land him. So, really, it's just about trying to round out the roster, sort of uh, fill in those holes that you think you lost through the portal, and then perhaps anticipate if you're going to lose anyone else after spring ball so that you can kind of proactively fill in some of holes rather than hoping someone leaves a different program after spring ball that you can then fill in that hole with.
0: Mike, switching over to basketball recruiting, a couple players I want to ask you about. Let's start here. Syracuse has made the top five for 2024 shooting guard prospect Elijah Moore, and he's targeting a decision potentially by the end of this month. Uh, how do you feel Syracuse fits in there? And tell us about more of the player.
1: Well, more the player, I'll start there, is one of the better shooters in the class. He is, you know, sort of a 6'3", 6'4", guard, probably more of a 2 than a 1, um, and, you know, I think has the potential to get up to 6'5", 6'6", and someone that could play the 3, um, you know, if if needed. But, again, one of the better shooters, one of the better scorers in the class, and uh, someone who's from New York City, so he's an in-state prospect. That's why I think he's he's a big deal for Syracuse. They They recruited him really, really hard for a number of years Um, they've been on him he's taken an official visit and where his recruitment stands is he's got that top five he's officially visited jerkees as i mentioned he's also officially visited oklahoma state and he wants to take an official visit to alabama sometime this month and is looking to decide by the end of the month so You know, Syracuse has recruited him extremely hard, as I mentioned. They have a good relationship with him. But you always worry if there's an SEC school that gets the last visit, if that's going to be the school that he ends up picking. So I definitely think if you're Syracuse, you're worried about the fact that he's going to be visiting Alabama before um, he makes his decision. And let's face it, Alabama right now is a better program than Syracuse. And just look at where they are in the rankings and where they have been the last couple of years, and that's pretty obvious. But, um, you know, Syracuse certainly has history on their side. They've got location on their side. And they, they've done a really good job with developing players um, at his position of his skill set. So I think they've got, uh, certainly have a lot of things going for themselves as well. But uh, what ends up happening on that Alabama visit, I think, will end up uh, telling the tale when he comes back and compares it to what he saw at Syracuse.
0: Five-star uh, Boogie Flan, class of 2024. Looks like this offer just came through within the past couple of days. Tell me about him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's one of the best players in the class. He's top 10, top 15, depending on what recruiting service you look at. Uh, combo guard type, can play a little 3-2. He's just unbelievably talented, incredible scorer, superb athlete, just everything that you would want in a high school prospect, essentially. Syracuse offered, and uh, you know I think the big key there is obviously is to get him on campus. But then it also begs the question, you know, he's an in-state prospect, and he's a, one of the top 10 to 15 players in the class. What took so long to offer? I, I I don't know the answer to that question. Perhaps they wanted to see some certain things with his development, and how he'd fit with what they do. But um, either way, they got to get him on campus, get him up for an official visit, and um, you know try to try to wow him because he's certainly going to have his options when all is said and done.
0: Mike, looking at this team in the here and now, uh, starting with tonight, I actually, actually kind of started with Virginia, and they couldn't pick up that win, but this team's got to fill in the the blanks here. They do not have a quad yep. one or quad two win. It's another opportunity here. They've been close but no cigar in a lot of situations here, and it just it just feels like, as Yogi Berra once said, it's getting late early, even though it's in j- middle of January for this team.
1: Yeah, there's no question. I mean, they've lost multiple opportunities to get quad one wins. They lost it at Illinois earlier in the season. They they've lost uh, this one at Virginia. I think this one at Virginia is, is uh, a little bit more frustrating because of how well they played to come back from that deficit. Makes you think that if they had played a little bit better early, that perhaps that goes a different way, or at least it's a game, you know, in the final possession where you got a chance to make a play to win, similar to what they did at Notre Dame. But. You know, you've got more opportunities for that coming up. You've got Virginia Tech at home. You've got Notre Dame, a team you've already beaten at home. You can't lose those type of games. You have to win them and and try to move up your net ranking. And then at Miami, I know Miami is really good, and they've been one of the best stories in the ACC this year, but I don't look at them and look at Syracuse and see this massive talent gap where if Syracuse were to go into Miami and win the game, that that should be a massive shock. So I think that's one where you perhaps match up a little bit better than what you did against Virginia, and that's a game that you should look at as, as an opportunity to get a quad one win. And then at Georgia Tech, you can't lose that game if you're looking at trying to make a run at the NCAA tournament, North Carolina, Virginia Tech again, and then Virginia at home. So they, they're going to have opportunities, but I don't think this is about just winning one of those games. I think they probably got to win two, maybe even three, to get themselves back into that conversation because of some of the losses that they had earlier this season.
0: And, Mike, will close with a little intrigue here. Adam Weitzman on his uh, Instagram story today posted the following, and I quote, Very, very close to signing an NIL deal with one of the best basketball recruits in the nation. If anyone in the 315 is a really tall young kid, come up to them and ask you if the weather in Syracuse is as bad as people say. Please just answer you don't know what he's talking about and move on. Prayer emoji, heart emoji. So uh, we'd be speculating here, Michael, but uh, intriguing post there from Syracuse's uh, Super Booster.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that means that perhaps he is actually going to deliver on that promise of signing a five-star basketball and five-star football player every single recruiting cycle. Um, And if that's the case, I think that's a big news for Syracuse, not only for what it's going to do in, you know, the 2024 class, but beyond in both sports, because let's face it, part of the reason that you lose players to the portal, in addition to losing recruits, is because you can't pay them to the same level that other schools do. And that goes right back to NIL. Whatever the rules are supposed to be, it's not pay for play and all that stuff. We know that reality is that's exactly what it has become, and the NCAA has no interest in governing that and enforcing any of the rules that are in place. So it's basically the wild, wild west where anyone can do whatever they want. And if Syracuse doesn't get involved with that, that's going to hurt both programs they are going to be left in the dust in a lot of ways. And it makes things much more challenging. So Syracuse has to do that, not only with the top two recruits, but I think they've got to figure out a way to pay the players on the roster, specifically on the football side. Um, so, so that they're not, each offseason trying to look and see what their options are. They feel pretty good about where they are, especially, you know, guys that have been multi-year starters for you.
0: As we like to say in the radio business, stay tuned. Michael, appreciate the insight. The time is always, we'll do it again soon, but thank you, sir. Thanks, Brent. Happy new year. Happy new year to you. It's a little late for that. Come on, January 11th. That's a little late for happy new year, but he's McAllister. We'll let it go. We'll let that one slide. We'll break. We'll come back. Uh, Syracuse-Virginia Tech playing a basketball game tonight. We'll get more into that. Uh, Mike and I touched on it briefly, but a little bit more on Damian Alford hitting the portal and what that means, the blind side awaits. we got more show for you. Pre-game coming up, top of the hour, and we'll hone in on Syracuse and Virginia Tech, but more to come after this.